Kipling's We Are Here. We are ready to go. New Hope Radio. Oh, I love this topic today. I really do. I don't know. One of my favorite topics about Jesus. Hope it's one of yours too. It's really that which solidifies my faith, you know? And sometimes we have these moments of doubt, if I have that. And But then when I reflect back on what we're going to talk about today, I'm like, oh yeah, no doubt about it. Jesus is real. No doubt about that. Now we know there are many reasons for people to believe in Jesus Christ coming from God and as God. You look out the window and what do you see? The divine design of creation. You see the balance of nature. Man has a moral law instilled inside of him. We have intelligence, which is far beyond all the other creatures. All of these make perfect sense. But the ones that, to me, stand out the most are the prophecies about Jesus. That's what we're going to talk about today. The prophecies that pointed to Jesus. These are things that were said from 700 to 1,000 years before his time. And then they were all fulfilled in his life. Man, we're going to look at some of those today. That'll really build your faith. The prophecies will build your faith. These are, this is a good message to have a pen and paper and just write down some scriptures. Because these are the prophecies that talked about the coming of Christ and when he came, he fulfilled everyone. Now, I'm going to go kind of quickly because I have a lot of them. Oh, yeah, I have many. And we want to try to get them all in today. You know what was prophesied? The place of his birth. Get this, 725 years before he came. What? 725 B.C. The Old Testament prophet Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, that's the name of the town. Too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me, God said, to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. That speaks about the pre-incarnate Christ. And then you know what happened in Matthew 2, verse 1? After Jesus was born where? What? In Bethlehem of Judea. Ah, Micah said that 725 years earlier, Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Just a little town. Feel a song coming on. Little town of Bethlehem. Jesus fulfilled it. It was also prophesied that he would be born of a virgin. Isaiah said that 740 B.C. Isaiah said in Isaiah 7.14, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Oh, Isaiah prophesied a virgin birth. And then in Matthew 1.18, it was fulfilled. The birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child. How'd that happen? From the Holy Spirit. There it is. Prophecy fulfilled. 
Sadly, it was also prophesied that the infants in Bethlehem and the surrounding area would be slaughtered in Jeremiah 31.15. A voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. And this was fulfilled in Matthew 2.10. When Herod saw that he was tricked by the Magi, remember that, told the Magi, come back and tell me where this baby is so I can go worship him. And they went home a, a different way. Herod saw he was tricked. He became very enraged. And he sent and he slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old and under. Man, talk about an evil, hard heart. It seems the bloody massacre referred to reached from Bethlehem, where it began, into surrounding areas, since Rachel's grave was between these areas. It was in that vicinity. Let me give you a little background on Genesis 35:18. If Rachel could have come out of her grave at that time, she would have done what she is here represented to do. In other words, way back in Genesis 30, verse 1, here's the story. When Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she became jealous of her sister. Remember Leah? And she said to Jacob, Give me children, or else I die. And then five chapters later, in Genesis 35, 16, they journeyed from Bethel, and there was still some distance to go to Ephrathah. Rachel began to give birth. So she's on her way to Bethlehem, right? She began to give birth, but she suffered severe labor. When she was in severe labor, the midwife said to her, Do not fear. For you have another son. Oh, she had a baby. It came about as her soul was departing. Oh, for she was dying. She named him Ben-Oni. But his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrathah. That is Bethlehem. You know, I read the story of Rachel. That's my mom's name, Rachel. But I read this story, how sad. Rachel was the love of Jacob's life. She wanted one thing, a son, a child. And she had a child, and then she died. You know, there's so much in life that we don't understand. At least I don't. I don't understand a lot of things that go on just have to have faith. That's all. You have to have faith. And that's why this message on the prophecies about Jesus is so important. Because they build our faith. Oh, things can happen in life and our faith can dwindle. Our faith can fade. But we're reminded about the things that were said about Jesus 700, a thousand years before he came. And he fulfilled them. And our faith begins to grow, and it begins to strengthen, and it gets us through those very difficult times.
times. So you got to keep building your faith. It was prophesied 520 B.C. about Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem. Zechariah had this one, chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. That's another word for Israel. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble, mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So Zechariah prophesied that. And then it was fulfilled in John chapter 12, verse 13. On the next day, the large crowd who had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of the palm trees and They went out to meet him, and they began to shout, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. And Jesus, finding young donkey, sat on it, as it was written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Now these things his disciples did not understand at the first. But when Jesus was glorified, oh, then they remembered that these things were written of him and that they had done these things to him. See? Prophesied. Even when the disciples reflected back to the Old Testament, the light went on. Oh, yes! Now we remember. That's why the prophecies, oh, so important. It was prophesied that Jesus would be betrayed by a friend 1,000 years before it happened. Wow! In Psalm 41, verse 9, the psalmist wrote, Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. And then it was fulfilled in Mark 14, 10, where Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, he went off to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. It was known, Jesus, you think he lived knowing of his betrayal? I would say so. You know why? He knew the scriptures. He knew all the scriptures that pointed to him. And he lived with that. He, he was a man with a burden, I'll tell you. It was prophesied 740 B.C. And the, by the way, this is a good message for the unbeliever. If an unbeliever has any honesty and openness, you have to look at these prophecies and say, Wow. Wow, this really is something. It was prophesied that Jesus would be silent before his accusers. Isaiah had that one, chapter 53, verse 7. Speaking of Christ, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet, he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that is silent before its shearers. So he did not open his mouth. And you know, Jesus fulfilled that one. Oh, yeah. Matthew twenty six sixty two. The high priest stood up and he said to him, Do you not answer? What is it that these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent. He kept silent. He fulfilled what was written about him. He didn't fulfill it because it was written about him. It was written about him because he would fulfill it. (laughs) If you can follow that one. 
It was prophesied 740 B.C. that Jesus would be beaten and spit upon. These prophecies are very exact. Again, Isaiah's got this one, chapter 50, verse 6. I gave my back to those who strike me and my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting. (laughs) When they were abusing Jesus, he didn't duck. He didn't bow down. He didn't block it. He took it. He took it. He took everything they dished out to him. And then this prophecy was fulfilled in Mark 14, 65. And this was before the high priest. Some began, what? To spit at him. And to blindfold him. And to beat him with their fists. And to say, prophesy. And the officers received him with slaps in the face. You know who I'm glad I'm not? I'm glad I'm not the guy that spit on Jesus. Oh. I'm glad I'm not the guy that punched him and that slapped him. I'm glad I'm not the guy that abused him. Those guys, wow, they know not what they do. And people today that mock Jesus, they know not what they do. You know, historians tell us that pulling out the beard of a condemned man before crucifixion, that was a part of the humiliation that was carried out against those who were to be crucified. The historical records of the Jews consistently describe men who were condemned to death and having their beards ripped from their faces. Let me tell you, I'm sure that really hurt. Oh, I'm sure that hurt. And Jesus stood there, took it all. It was prophesied 740 years ahead of ahead of time by Isaiah that Jesus would be crucified with sinners. Isaiah 53, verse 12. He poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Remember, thief on the left, thief on the right. Yet he himself bore the sin of many. He didn't have any of his own sins on him, but he bore the sins of everybody else. That was the prophecy. And then fulfilled in Matthew twenty-seven thirty-eight. At that time, two robbers, they were crucified with him. Yep, one on the right, one on the left. Just like it was prophesied. It was prophesied 1,000 years ahead of time that he would have nails driven into his hands and feet. Psalm 22, verse 16. For dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has encompassed me. Oh, they pierced my hands and my feet. Wow. Jesus lived his life knowing the end, knowing how he would die. And then it happened in John 20, verse 27. He said to Thomas, Thomas, reach here with your finger. And see my hands. And reach here, put your hand into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. Because remember, Thomas doubted that Jesus came back from the dead. He's like, no, man, when you're dead, you're dead. That's it. The disciples are like, no, we saw him. 
He talked to him. And Jesus came back, I think, just for Thomas. Thomas, let me show you. But the fact that Thomas even witnessed the wounds in his hands was that fulfillment of the prophecy that all these disciples grew up with. They grew up with the Old Testament. Did they do their homework? I don't know. It was prophesied by Isaiah. Oh, this one was by David, a thousand years B.C., that Jesus would be mocked and insulted. See, David wrote Psalm 22. And Psalm 22 is a phenomenal description of Christ on the cross. And it says in verse 7, picture Jesus on the cross, right? All who see me sneer at me. They separate with the lip. They wag their head. Picture these people walking by the cross, wagging their head. Like, I knew he was a phony. I knew he was all talk, wagging their heads. And they were saying to him, this is the prophecy, commit yourself to the Lord. Let him deliver him. In other words, where's your God? Let God get you down. That's the prophecy. And then in Matthew 27, 39, wow, there's Jesus on the cross. And those passing by, they were hurling abuse at him. Wagging their heads, <laughs> just like David said. Wagging their heads. And they said, you, who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you're the son of God, come down from that cross. Because <clears throat> no one in their right mind would stay there. Come on down, Jesus. Show us you're the son of God and come down. In Jesus' mind, he's thinking, no, I'm going to show you I'm the Son of God. I'm going to stay here. Wow. But they missed it. They didn't get it. And then in verse 41, in the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and the Pharisees, the elders, they were mocking him. And they were saying, he saved others. Can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross, and then we will believe in him. Oh, then we will believe in him. You know how many miracles Jesus did and they didn't believe? You know how many beautiful sermons Jesus gave and they didn't believe? If he came down from the cross, they still wouldn't believe. And he wasn't coming down to prove anything. He already proved he was the Son of God. Now he was proving he was the Savior of the world. And they said, oh, he trusts in God. Let God rescue him now. Man, these guys are, these guys are in trouble. <laughs> these guys are in deep trouble, let me tell you. Now they're tempting God. You don't tempt God. If he delights in him, he said, I am the Son of God. So if, if he's really with God the Father, God the Father is going to rescue him. <clears throat> if he's his son. These guys missed the boat. <clears throat> then in verse 44, the robbers who had been crucified with him, they were also insulting him with the same words. If you're the Son of God, come down from here. Get us down too, Jesus. Get us all out of here. Finally, one of them repented, remember? 
And he said, oh, Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom, I know who you are. Remember me. Zechariah, 520 years before Jesus was born, he prophesied that Jesus would be pierced in his side. He said in Zechariah 12.10, I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication so that they will look on me whom they have pierced and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son and they will weep bitterly over him hmm. like a firstborn. See, Israel will repent one day. But the point is, the prophecy said Jesus would be pierced in the side. And then in, Matthew, in John 19, 34, one of the soldiers, you know what they did? They pierced the side with a spear. Immediately, blood and water came out. Wow, another prophecy. I'll tell you what, these things build my faith. Oh, yeah. Shadows of doubt are removed from my mind when I read the prophecies. It was prophesied that soldiers would cast lots for his clothes thousand years ahead of time, back in Psalm twenty-two, eighteen, They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. I mean, you can't get any more specific than that. And then in John nineteen thirty-three, what do the soldiers do? <laughs> they, they took his outer garments, and they made four pots. To every pot, a soldier received part of the tunic, but now... He had an inner garment, which was a beautiful garment, woven into one piece. So they said, rather than destroy it, let's gamble for it. And they divided the outer garments. And they cast lots to see who would get it. Wow. This is incredible. You have to have a head like the Rock of Gibraltar to not let these prophecies touch your heart and show you that Jesus is God. It was prophesied a thousand years ahead of time that not a bone would be broken in his body. And in Psalm 34, verse 20, he keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Okay, that's what the Old Testament said. And that was a picture of the Passover lamb, right? In Exodus chapter 12, where they're to bring forth a lamb and it should not be a lamb that was blemished, but unblemished. No broken bones. It had to be a perfect specimen. It represented Jesus as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. And then fulfilled in John 19.33, coming to Jesus when they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. They broke the legs of the other two guys because they weren't dead. And by breaking their legs, they would sag on the cross and suffocate and die. Jesus was already dead. And then his burial, he'd be buried in a rich man's tomb, prophesied by Isaiah seven, 740 years ahead of time. Isaiah 53, 9. His grave was assigned with the wicked man, yet he was with a rich man in his death because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Remember, Joseph of Arimathea gave up his tomb in Matthew twenty-seven fifty-seven. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph. 
He himself had become a disciple of Jesus. And he went to Pilate, and he asked for the body of Jesus. And Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And then Joseph, he took the body, and he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. Oh, he gave it honor. And he laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the entrance of the tomb. And he went away. And then his resurrection. A thousand years B.C., Psalm 1610. You will not abandon my soul to Sheol. You will not allow your Holy One to undergo decay. And in Matthew 28, 7, what do the angels say? Go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen. (laughs) He's risen from the dead. And behold, he's going on ahead of you into Galilee. And there you will see him, just like I told you. Whoa. Three days in the grave, man, that was it. He rose up. And then his ascension. Are you kidding me? It was prophesied that he was asc- he would ascend into heaven a thousand years ahead of time, Psalm 68, verse 18. You have ascended on high. You have led captive your captives. It's a picture of Jesus going into paradise, taking all the Old Testament believers to heaven. Luke 24, 50. The Lord led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And then he parted and he ascended into heaven. Wow. All of these prophecies, you know what they tell us? God is in control. That's one thing we never have to worry about. We look at this crazy world. We look at what's going on. Never lose faith. God is in control. Oh, listen to this podcast at the Hope Club podcast. Just type it in anywhere online. Type it in, the Hope Club podcast, the prophecies about Jesus. These are the things that keep your faith strong. I don't know, they keep my faith strong. (laughs) And when I start to waver, I doubt myself, I go to the prophecies. I go, yes, there it is. Listen. There are more messages. Visit our website, newhopecc.tv. If you scroll down a little bit, you'll see the Hope Club podcast. And there it is. You'll be right there. The prophecies about Jesus. Don't miss them. They're faith builders. Take some notes. Write these down. Stick them in your Bible. Use them as a future reference. When times are hard, when life is difficult, always go back to the prophecies. Thank you for coming along today. I'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.